0: In prep for this episode, I read up on this so I didn't sound like a complete dunce and goofus.
1: Mike's an ace noob, everybody. (laughs)
0: What's good? Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode, another special episode of The Newest Olympian. My name is Mike Schuber. I'm the titular Newest Olympian. I'm a 30-year-old man who never read the Percy Jackson books as a kid, but I'm reading them now as an adult because I'm on a quest to determine if this is a book series that society has been sleeping on. And not only am I on a quest to determine this, but I'm also on a quest to learn more things and potentially help other folks learn those things as well. And something that I've heard about is something we're going to learn today with our very special guest. It's Delia Gallegos, the CFO of Black Nerds Korea. Delia, how's it going?
1: It's going great. I'm very excited to be here again.
0: I'm excited to have you back. It has been too long. You were here on some of the very, very early episodes of TNO and now you're making your glorious return in a special episode to talk about a subject that people may have been able to guess in the title. But lots of folks reached out to me over the course of making book three episodes about how they see themselves in Artemis and the Hunters, whether those folks are asexual or aromantic or both if that's a thing, which is a question (laughs) that I'll be asking you because very much this episode is hello. I know a little bit here, but let's all learn. And that'll be very fun and also learn how we can see more of this representation in the characters. So, though this is not a question I would ask in normal circumstances, because I understand how conversations work, do you want to explain your sexuality to everyone <laughs> on the podcast for context?
1: Sure, <laughs> it's something that I love to explain. I get asked it so often.
0: <laughs> and I'm sure it's super good and really nice and normal, just like when people ask to touch your hair, which I'm sure is really cool and fun for you.
1: Oh yeah, it's super, super fun. Honestly, I'd rather people ask about my sexuality than touch my hair. So like, it. listeners, hi don't do that. (laughs) But yeah, sure. Absolutely. For me, I identify as asexual. I am on a spectrum. We'll get into that. I'm sure there are other like sub identities. If I really wanted to like pin it down, like I could say I'm gray ace. But for me personally, I just I'm good with just saying that I'm asexual. I do identify as aloe as far as like my romantic spectrum because romantic and sexuality different spectrums. But yeah, I am married. This is something that like people get confused about too, being asexual. Uh, And like, do you find people attractive at all? Yes, there's different types of attraction. Sexual attraction is just one of them. There is like, again, romantic attraction, there's aesthetic attraction, there's all of that. So we could talk more in detail. But like, overall, I'm asexual. And I would say the journey of figuring that out was kind of long. I've known about asexuality since I was... 16, maybe. And I was just like, I'm experiencing the world differently than my friends are. Like, I don't know what this is. I remember doing Googles, you know, trying to figure it out. And I just remember reading about it. And it just sounded so extreme. I was like, no, I don't think that's it. I don't know why we're always like, when we're trying to explore our sexualities, we're so first is denial. Like, I wish that wasn't the case because I ended up in that place anyway. So many, like, maybe almost a decade later. But here we are.
0: Yeah. I totally understand. And hopefully things will just get better as time goes on. But I feel like it's very much, hello, everyone in the world is straight. (laughs) And everyone in the world has this particular way of having romantic interests, sexual interests, et cetera. And then there's a lot of, I guess, like you're saying, denial, unlearning to do. And I would hope that as we become more aware of that, not everyone is the same and not everyone is one type of human, that there's different ways to love and be loved, all of that. So I would hope that folks in the future have it easier than you did something we can always <laughs> strive for. And
1: always always striving, always hoping that's the case. And I hope like this conversation helps folks too, you know? It's one conversation at a time, really. Yeah.
0: So if that can help, great. And at the very least it will help me so that in future episodes I don't say wrong things, <laughs> which is always good when you're a podcaster. Not saying wrong things and apologizing when you do say wrong things. Absolutely. So to relate this first and foremost to Percy Jackson. When I was doing the episodes, folks reached out just saying, hey something that could be a fun in-between episode topic is talking about how lots of folks see themselves in The Hunters and Artemis, either if they are asexual or aromantic. And I think this came up mostly because I had heard this, and then in the podcast I said that asexual folks see themselves in Artemis and The Hunters. And then some people corrected me that it feels more like aromantic than asexual, since they never explicitly say, oh, mm-hmm. there is no sexual interest. It's more, there's no romantic interest at all. So just because I was confused of the difference there, and maybe other people are as well, what are the key differences between asexuality and aromanticism? And then if it's a one or the other, can be both, in between, you've already mentioned a spectrum, so I'm sure that that is what it probably is. How do those similarities and differences exist?
1: Sure. So a lot of conversation in the like ace community um like the ace spec community which means like Ace spectrum is around attraction and the different models of attraction that humans follow the thing is with compulsory heterosexuality a lot of us don't even realize we're experiencing these different attractions like we kind of just conflate it all and so for ace people to come and to realize like what we are often it involves detangling all of that so you have like sexual attraction which is like you're attracted to people sexually. You have, it can mean you have sexual drive. It can mean you do or do not have sexual attraction. Some people are sexual repulsed, which means that, like, they have no interest in sex. Sometimes that's trauma-based. Sometimes it's not. They're just, like, they get the ick, <laughs> even just thinking about sex. But some ace people don't. Um, and that's the sexual attraction. But there's also romantic attraction, which is, like, I may not be sexually attracted to this person, but I can fall in love with them. Like, there is an emotional connection there. I'm emotionally attracted to people. I'm drawn to people. And then there's also, like, aesthetic attraction, which is, like, a whole different thing, Where which for me was my point of confusion because I'm like, no, I find people attractive. Like, I see people on the street. I'm like, oh, look, that guy looks nice. Or that girl looks nice. Like, okay. And so I thought what I was experienced, that was it. That was sexual attraction. It is not. <laughs> that is a different thing. And you can experience both and they can be aligned. So they feel like the same thing, but they are not. They're separate things. So when I see <laughs> Tom Holland and I'm like, wow, he is such a handsome person. Wow. He's so handsome. But that's where it ends for me. Like, he's just handsome. And then I move on with my life. Like, that's it. So you can experience any of those all together, in like, in congruence with each other or they can feel out of line. Um, and so you can be aromantic or you can be aloe. Aloe is the basically the opposite end of the spectrum. So if you experience sexual attraction or romantic attraction, we would call that aloe, um, like allosexual, alloromantic. Yeah, so you can be any or all of those or all of them all together. Some people are like ace across the board. They're like, I am not experience romantic or sexual attraction. For me, like I said, I do experience romantic attraction, not sexual and within that, there, yes, is a spectrum. Like, there are some people who identify as gray, so they're like, sometimes I experience, like, sexual attraction or romantic attraction, and it's like, I literally have no idea when when it's going to happen. There's demisexual or demiromantic, where it's like, after I create a really strong emotional bond, then I might experience these attractions. So there's sub-labels under the, under the bigger category so ace is more of an umbrella term but some people may like me just identify with it altogether.
0: okay and just so i'm clear you said allosexual is the opposite of asexual
1: basically yes
0: so would that mean that i'm trying to do like the math i feel like i'm in uh <laughs> i feel like i'm doing geometry proofs where you're like if this that next line so does that mean that you only feel sexual attraction but not romantic or you
1: could i mean it's possible to be allosexual but aromantic or asexual but aromantic and there's also you know discussion within that it's controversy, like things, people within the community work out, like, when is it actually asexual? Like, when is it like, because they're also like, trauma can form, like your sexual responses and like, do we want people temporarily identifying? For me, to be clear, I feel like you can pick up a label whenever you feel like it, it works for you. Like, that's me personally. I'm just speaking to the controversy that does exist. I'm not saying I agree. I don't. But, you know, things can be informed by trauma. Things can feel temporary for whatever reason and people can work through them. But I feel like if the label fits, the label fits. So you can experience these things altogether so yes that means like you would be if you were allosexual but aromantic that would mean like you don't experience romantic attraction to people at all but yeah you do feel sexual attraction and um Did that answer your question?
0: Yes, it did. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Hey, how's it going? This is Mike from the future. I just wanted to pop in here because I think I was a little bit confused during the recording. And after listening back and editing this episode, I thought "Mm, I could probably make things a bit more clear just to make sure no one is confused like I was. I look stuff up. I talk to some folks. And now my understanding for allosexual just means that you do feel desire for sexual intimacy and alloromantic would mean that you do feel romantic feelings. It's more of a blanket term, basically just meaning that you are not on the asexual or aromantic spectrum, not necessarily a specific label like I thought it was when I was recording. For example, something like pansexual, meaning that you feel attraction to all genders equally. The prefix allo just means all, so it's kind of like the opposite of a, and talking about someone being alloromantic or allosexual just kind of makes things the most general terms possible without putting it on more specific labels. Hopefully that all makes sense. And now we can get back to the episode. So as far as when you were reading and I don't know exactly when you first read the books slash when you felt like the label of ace made sense for you. Did you see yourself in the character or do you see it now or do you at least see how some folks would see themselves in Artemis and the Hunters and would you say it is more aromantic versus asexual or does it not actually matter that much to be like, it's this one and not that one.
1: I think, okay, well, first of all, of course, if anybody identifies with a character that, you know, that's <laughs> your story. For me, like I did, like I said, in high school is when I was like, something's up here. Like, I don't know what it is. But at that point, I hadn't read those books. And so I, I guess in hindsight, I can understand. But like, to me, I didn't make the connection. Basically, I can see it. But I remember at the time, just not seeing anybody who was like me, which I think could be a conversation about like, implicit, like, representation versus explicit representation, right? Like, it would have been so helpful for me at that time to have explicit representation, because I think implicit representation where you see yourself in a character is helpful if you know who you are, and maybe even the jury to figuring out who you are, but it's not gonna be as helpful to people who are still on that journey and don't really know what the heck is going on like does that make sense like yeah in hindsight i could see it but like in in at the time even if i had read those books at that time i don't think i would have seen it because there are characters now that maybe i've reread a book or revisited a movie i'm like ah is that why i like this character or oh i see i don't know how i didn't see this before with the like acceptance and better understanding of myself that i have now but that's that's me but I, i think it's valid if People see themselves in it rega- uh, either way. I can't, I don't feel like I can really speak to if it's more asexual or romantic, Cause even though I don't want to identify as aromantic, for me, even stories about like aromanticism or where characters are aromantic or kind of seem that way, I still identify with to a degree, even though I don't necessarily identify that way. So I don't know if I'm a good litmus test for that.
0: That's totally fine. And yeah, I think that's an important thing to recognize with all these sorts of conversations is that no group is a monolith, everyone is going to be different. That's why the spectrum exists and I guess yeah I guess it doesn't necessarily feel like there has to be an explicit label of like Artemis and the hunters are this Mm -hmm. because it feels just like in that space Mm -hmm. and I think that I would just guess because of how media works, not necessarily a lot of representation going on in that area. So if you see yourself and you feel seen, then who is anyone to say, no, you're wrong. It's different.
1: And like, I can understand the people who want it, who are like, no, I think it's more aromantic because in general, like even in conversations about the ace spectrum of identities, like aromantic identities kind of get overshadowed because what's more fun in media to talk about like oh how it typically it's not in a positive way but still more more often than not like asexuality is being discussed because like in at least american culture like sexuality is a a prevailing force so it's strange and it seems so different when people are like no i don't experience that people don't understand it so it gets a lot more i think discussion whether that's positive or negative than a romanticism does and i feel like it's important that while I cannot speak to like, oh, yeah, I think it's more this or more that. I do think it's important to shine a light on that because I think they get left out of conversations very often.
0: Definitely. I I feel like it's especially funny in the current 2022 let's get outraged at children's media for no good reason oh, man. <laughs> world we live in where people are like oh my goodness y- you can't have two people in light year have a tiny little peck because they're both women how dare you it's like have you seen every other disney movie where they make <laughs> the guy and the girl make out at the end of the movie like what are we talking about <laughs> No matter
1: how how compatible they were it's just a prerequisite box we have to check that's fine but <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The rest of it is not.
0: Yeah. So I feel like the whole, I, don't, I, I have so much anger towards the whole, like, just don't shove it down my throat, like thing of it, which is so silly and not what anyone is asking for. And it's, it's just ridiculous that like anytime you have any sort of romantic or sexual relationship or any sort of dynamic that is not just the normal, people get so all up in arms about it as if it's this ridiculous thing.
1: Which is so wild because, again, as somebody who is and has always been ace, whether I recognize that or not at the time, heterosexuality is truly everywhere like the assumption that you will be partnered up cis man cis woman and honestly the media doesn't even have the language for that let's be clear but like Mm -hmm. a cis man and a cis woman are going to be together forever in a monogamous relationship but that is the norm and that's what to expect and that it's so pervasive that again it led me to being like well i guess maybe i kind of feel that way but not really something's wrong something's up to the point where like even i started exploring other identities but i was like I'm not bi. I know that's not true. I often would describe to my friends, I would say like, I'm kind of the, like, which I think is problematic now, but that was the best language I had was like, I feel like I'm the opposite of bi. Instead of being equally r- attracted to both genders, because at the time I thought it was two, <laughs> in my in my silly, silly teenage years, I feel like I'm equally unattracted to both. <laughs> that's how I felt. And that was the best language I had at the time. And that's because like, still everything is built around this lens of like, sexuality and like you're going to have it and you're going to experience it and you're going to be part like paired off with someone and it's just wild because unless you start exploring your sexuality you don't realize that like actually there are things being shoved down our throats but it's not queer media
0: (laughs) definitely so with looking at artemis and the hunters in the aromatic lens just in that in order to join you have to stay single and not approach men at all I wonder if this book was rewritten, if it would be less about explicitly just, like, you can't get with men and more of you can't get with anyone. Because that was more of the vibe I got from the book. And to be fair, I don't think that Rick Riordan was going for this, but I also don't think Rick Riordan was like, no, no, grumble, grumble. (laughs) I don't think he would be upset by it at all, given all these sorts of quotes and things I've seen from him. With looking at Artemis and the Hunters as a romantic, would you say that it's a similar dynamic to you with asexuality, where basically someone would just say, this whole romantic relationship thing isn't for me. I have no qualms about joining The Hunters because I'm just not interested in that sort of thing.
1: Oh, absolutely. I would bet that if Rick were to rewrite these, it would be, A, more explicit, and B, I think, like you said, like, you can't be with anyone less about, like, oh, you can't be with men, which would have been helpful because, like, for me, yeah, that's exactly how I for the longest time truly did not think I was going to even end up married and not in a sad like, oh, which people assume like it's a sad like, oh, no, sweetie, you'll find someone like, don't worry. <laughs> oh, like, it's not that I had no interest. Like I, I joke all the time with my partner. Like we just I'm like, I, this was an accident on uh, like, he knows he's an accident, but like in a joking, you know, way between us. But that because I had no interest, like I felt so fine on my own in a way that wasn't like girl boss, independent woman, but that just was innate to me. And so if somebody had presented me some like lifetime opportunity or like great career move that I knew was going to be like, granted, you know, the capitalism of it all, like, is that healthy? Yada, yada, (laughs) yada. But like that required me to sacrifice that. It wouldn't have even been a thought. Like I didn't have interest in this other thing anyway. Of course, I'm going to go do that. And now I have an excuse. Like, it sounds wild, but now I have an excuse to tell people like, oh, that's why I'm not interested in this because I'm focused on these other things or these other aspects of my life. I've joined this order. (laughs) Like, you know, to have something like that to point to instead of having to point within, I would have taken the opportunity in a heartbeat. Now, no. Now I'm like, I've accepted myself and I'm like, oh, I don't need to explain myself. I don't need any of that stuff. But I find that desire even still very relatable.
0: Yeah. So... Getting to something you said with the whole, oh, you're not an old maid, which I think is such a funny approach that I'm sure is in the big list of annoying questions and interactions you have with folks. Being aromantic, being asexual, you still can have relationships. They just mm-hmm. take a different form. So I guess in the case of asexuality, you could have everything with a romantic relationship, just not that physical intimacy. Mm-hmm. And then for aromanticism, you could still have a meaningful, loving relationship, but it feels more like a traditional friendship or a platonic relationship. Is that sort of the case of, I guess, just a more of a general question of like, we have this conceptual idea of what a quote unquote relationship is, but within the A spectrum, is it just, you know, you take an approach that you would for something else and that can still have as much meaning as a standard sort of marriage-type boyfriend-girlfriend situation would be.
1: Absolutely. I think this is the part that interests me the most, I think, when we talk about, like, a spectrum people and their experiences. Because the experience as I live it is not that different than a quote-unquote traditional whatever-that-means relationship, the stereotypical relationship, I guess, let's say, instead. Because I feel like, again, it's the compulsory heterosexuality of it all, right? And it just leads us to not question things that we would otherwise question, once it becomes queer, right? But I think in normal relationships, like no relationship is the same. Like there's give and take, things that people are okay with and not okay with. And I think it's the same in ace spectrum relationships. Like I'm ace, my partner's not. And so, like, there's give and take there, of course. But like also, it's a spectrum, like, you know, some people experience may not experience sexual attraction, but, like, still may have some form of physical intimacy, or they may not, they may be sexual, but, like, this is all just give and take, and it's same with aromantic um, relationships. It's a shame how in a cis-heteronormative society, we've really kind of devalued uh, platonic relationships and other forms of relationships that can be just as meaningful and just as committed that aren't necessarily your stereotypical like rom-com <laughs> happily ever after story because i know plenty of aromantic people who are having deep fulfilling relationships that again don't look like mine but also mine doesn't look like other people's because yeah i think it's about unpacking those preconceived notions of what a relationship has to be because sex and sexual attraction don't equate love and similarly uh traditional romance does not necessarily equate love either, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's a lot to figure out, I think, even people for on the spectrum, like, it took me a while to unpack this, like, okay, but, like, I do experience this and I'm willing to do these things and, like, I really do care about my partner. Like, what does that mean? What does that... And. All it means is that we're humans' desire connection, and we make those connections and for them in unique ways to us. And yes, is mine formed, informed by my sexuality and my, like, aceness? Of course, but also everybody's relationships are informed by their sexuality, whatever their sexuality may be. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, totally. And it's funny, because the more we talk about this, the more I'm like, oh, Dele is just describing a relationship. Like, <laughs> 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 it's funny that putting a label, putting a title on it, just makes it feel like oh, an asexual marriage clearly has to be so different than anything else. And the right. more I'm like, yeah, that's this just sounds like, for my experience, like this just sounds like what married people do. Like <laughs> you have different things, and, and no two relationships are going to be the same. Like sometimes people are going to have way more intimacy. Sometimes people right. may not. But like even in just a cis het marriage, like it doesn't necessarily mean that I don't know. Some people could just have sex more often. Some people can right. have it less frequently. and exactly. it, it just feels like everything is dynamic. So, yeah, it's, it's funny how normal everything sounds. <laughs> and I shouldn't be surprised. I don't think anyone should be surprised. But, yeah, I mean, not every relationship is going to be the same. And, you know, for, for my relationship, like, intimacy is a part of it, but that doesn't mean... I view it the same way as other people would view it. And also, it, it for me, it's not, like, the most important thing. And I think that that's something that people should realize when you're talking about asexual relationships or aromantic relationships is that your priorities can be different and you can prioritize other things. The biggest factor in me marrying Kelly is that she's the person I enjoy spending the most time with. And I there think that that's is. a weirdly underrated... Like, I know now it's more people like, I married my best friend and she's my <laughs> person. Like... If people legitimately mean that, cool. But when you watch things like trashy reality TV shows mm-hmm. and all they talk about is like, oh, he doesn't look like exactly my type or yes. her body or we're, I'm not sure that we're doing it enough. Like For me, the biggest factor was like, I'm spending all my time with this person. I want to make sure that I enjoy spending that time with her. And Kelly is legitimately my best friend. And that is certainly the most important factor leading to the relationship. The other stuff is great. Big fan. But... <laughs> You know? yeah like
1: it's great all of the rest of it's great but at the heart of the core of a committed relationship whether it's romantic or not even friendships like is this commitment to each other and like a person that you really enjoy being around and that's again how i view uh view my relationship and i think a lot of ace when like in the community we talk about like that's all it is really and like how much romantic attraction is part of that or like sexual intimacy is part of that it can differ from person to person and like maybe mine to go like each i think personally healthy at least healthy relationships in general about communication. People say that, but they truly are. And like that communication in those negotiations about like everybody's boundaries, like that should be true across the board. So maybe my personal negotiations look different or sound different, um, but the results are not that different than negotiations like cishet people are having in healthy relationships, I guess I should say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They're on healthy relationships and that's a whole different thing. I will say being like ace, I think forces or not necessarily forces like we wouldn't have wanted to but like it keeps those dialogues open and like we communicate more than maybe the typical cishet couple who has been raised in the cishet normative society who doesn't even think to question their sexuality or what they want or what they're comfortable with or boundaries which is a shame. I wish, you know, we're, we're sex positive over here. Like, I may be ace, but like, talk about these things. Learn about these things. Like, please speak together. Everybody deserves a healthy, committed relationship, whatever that means to you. But I, yeah, so in a way, I feel like because I'm ace, it's healthier than some of like the people I grew up with, like the relationship that I have with my partner.
0: Yeah. So if you don't mind kind of talking about your personal experience with the relationship that you have with your partner, how did that formulate? How did it go? How was it having that relationship with him since he is not in the same space that you are?
1: Yeah, I would say, like, it wasn't ever difficult in as far as, like, him accepting me. Like, that was never a question. It was never an issue. And I, I feel very blessed and lucky that that's the case because I you know it's not always the case for people. So that off the bat jump, I was, it was... But it doesn't mean it was easy necessarily because, you know, you have somebody who is, like, socialized to expect... A relationship to look a certain way, like physical intimacy mm-hmm. to look a certain way. And like, that's not his fault. Like, I was also socialized that way. Again, it started with me feeling like something's wrong with me. Like, that's how deep these socializations go. Like, even if you don't fit the mold, you're like, oh, well, I'm the problem then. It's not the mold that's a problem, right? So for him, I think it was just the process of like saying, like, for us, it looked like saying like, okay, here's where we are we're still committed to each other. We still love each other. We've got that out of the way. And those, like you said, like, that's the most important part. So we've got that out of the way. But how do we solve for these things where we have separate boundaries, separate wants? And like, where is there like room for negotiation? And honestly, I found for me, it started him on his own journey of unpacking the things that he had learned. Like, again, he still does not identify as ace by any means. But realizing kind of like you said, like, this is not my highest priority. Like, Regardless, like, Mm -hmm. physical intimacy, like, A, can look like a lot of different things. That's something, like, we've learned. But also, like, it's not my biggest priority. My biggest priority is loving you, building a, like, healthy life together, like, having fun together, going on adventures together. Like, these are my priorities. And the relationship is full and, like, fully formed without even bringing physical intimacy into it. Again, great bonus. Like, I'm not going to say it's not. Like, I you know, for us in our relationship, I think it definitely, like, helps. And, like, you know, especially after, like, so much negotiation, knowing that, like, with the communication, I think is what makes it better. But, like, yeah, I think I think it just, like, sent him on his own journey and, like, really helped us come to a place, like, I guess in the middle. Like, I don't know. If you haven't been in a healthy community relationship, it's kind of hard to, like, understand. It's, like, okay, so, like, you mean you just, like, talked more and that was, like, the, the great thing? But, like, it is great. I don't know how to say it. Like, it sounds super sappy, but, like, it's so true. Like, yeah, we talked more. Like, it, like, really created a lot more trust with us, like, going on that journey together,
0: really. And then were there, I guess, learning moments where he would just kind of ask, like, is it okay if I hold your hand? Is it okay if I... Yeah. pick you on the cheek? Like, were they kind of finding the line of, like, this stuff is cool, this stuff maybe not?
1: I think it's less about, like, for me, like, I'm not, like, sex repulsed or, like, repulsed by, like, physical touch or anything. So, like, those questions didn't come up as much as, like, questions about approach to the dialogue around it, if that makes sense. Like, okay, because I think the dialogue, unintentionally, just because of how we're socialized, like, even the way I would talk about it sometimes, is so, like, wrapped in, like, shame and guilt and, like, how do we fix this? But changing, even just changing that language to be less, of, like, there's nothing to fix, right? Like, it's nothing wrong with what's happening here. And instead moving towards dialogue that's more like, okay, this is where you are. This is where I'm at. What can we do with that? Does that make sense? Like, yeah, cause there was more like conflict around like, okay, but I don't think there's anything wrong. What do you mean? Like something's wrong. And then same thing for him. Like I also like felt resentful that like, and I think I've seen this a lot in the ace community, like feeling almost resentful that your partner may want these things from you. And like, yes, to be clear, if they're not respecting your boundaries, that's that's a different thing, mm. cut them off. That's a red flag. <laughs> But if they're respecting your boundaries, but you're still feeling bad about that, the fact that they want these things, I think changing your perception of it and the way you speak about it positions you as teammates rather than like adversaries against each other. And I think that was the biggest conflict was just like, how do we have that dialogue?
0: Yeah, it's all about communication. It's all about finding whatever works. It's all about talking it out. And I like I like you saying teammates versus adversaries. That's really that's really nice because, yeah, you're committed to trying to make this work. And you both want to make sure you're respecting each other and working towards the communal goal of making this relationship as healthy as it can be, where both people are as happy as they can be, as opposed to (laughs) adversarially being like, oh, I got to get my wins, you know? Right, exactly. (laughs) And (laughs) And
1: it's not to say like, like consciously was never there, like on either side. It's just like, it's when Mm -hmm. you're, when you're dealing, even if you yourself are the person that is queer in any way like it's unpacking your own stuff too man and it's like a lot of work and it takes a lot of patience on both sides and you'll get really good at it eventually and you you're always going to be learning and I would say like at this point we're really good at it and but I still unlearn stuff he still unlearn stuff and like but as long as your intent is good like again like I said he's always accepted me and I think that's the goal for the key for anybody listening like do you truly have that radical acceptance in relationship if you do then you can move forward and work together if you don't Yellow or red flag, depending.
0: For sure. So I guess taking that sort of approach, but looking at the side of things where it would be more aromantic as opposed to asexual, Mm -hmm. obviously aromantic people can still have relationships. Mm -hmm. Would there be a situation where someone, let's say there's an aromantic person and a not aromantic person, is it still something that could work where the non-aromantic person is romantically attracted to the aro person and the aro person is more like love this person as a partner, friend, anything that is not romantic, that dynamic could still work. Yeah.
1: Oh, I think absolutely. Like I've definitely known of people and I've had friends where that dynamic does work. I think it's, Again, important, just like in, in in like my relationship and relationships that look like mine. Like again, making sure you're communicating and everybody's needs are met. But as long as that's happening, then yes, I think it's absolutely like just because that a romantic person doesn't love them in the same way does not mean that that deep care isn't there or love in general. Like love is a very Big emotion that can feel different ways and look different ways for different people. So, like even if they're aromantic, again, like I said, doesn't mean that deep care isn't there. So yeah, I would say it's very possible for um a person who does feel a romantic attraction to a person to still get their needs met and feel cared for by somebody who's aromantic. Because again, I think it's the media's fault that we think love looks very romantic. It looks like the Valentine's Day hearts and it looks like all of that. But that's definitely really it, what it looks like. Even in a head relationship, if you really think about it, like if you think of that like deep, I mean, yes, are there romantic moments? Sure, of course. But like, I think the day to day, it's mostly like the little things, like doing things for each other, looking out for each other, like that teamwork. And you don't need romantic attraction for that to exist.
0: Yeah especially even the more cliche kind of things of, like, love languages and all that. Right, right. There's different things that you can do, and there's different things that people appreciate and feel loved. If Kelly finds me vacuuming... (laughs) (laughs) like (laughs) It's a big one for me. So, like, there's certain things that make other folks happy, and it doesn't have to be the traditional, like, thing. I want to stop saying traditional, because, yeah, it's more of, like, what society has decided. Right, the
1: stereotypical... The
0: stereotypical feels better, because it makes it feel more whack, which it is.
1: (laughs) Yeah, 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 absolutely. Again, like I said, like, I struggle with that too. Like, I still, because again, it's a long journey. I think anybody who, any queer person would probably say, like, they have this journey too, or had this journey at least, where, yeah, all the time I'm catching myself like, yeah, in a traditional, I'm like, well, I'm not untraditional. My friends aren't untraditional. Like, what is that? That's so whack.
0: (laughs) Totally, totally. And I guess with these relationships, it would be, I guess, simpler if it was two folks who were on... The exact same sort of page where I'm asexual, I'm asexual, great. Or I'm aromantic, I'm aromantic, great. It seems like there would be at least less, I don't know if conflict is the right word, but like there's less, mm-hmm. like you were talking about negotiation back and forth. If one person is on the spectrum, one person isn't. But I guess even if you're both in the spectrum, not everyone's going to be the same. So those conversations would still happen, just maybe not as extreme ends of the polls.
1: Yeah, I think we're still talking like it's the same as like we're talking about like cishet relationships or even just um, allosexual relationships where there's still the negotiations happening. I would say probably it's easier in that you know, you're working from the same sheet of music, right? Like, you're not having to explain everything from scratch or sending a bunch of leaks, like... What's this type signature? <laughs> <to> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you're not having to, like, send them a bunch of links. like, go read this article, you're going to understand better. Um, which, again, if you have a partner that's willing to do that work, that obviously, like, that's ideal regardless. But... I think, like, you're starting from an easier place, but yeah, those negotiations are still happening. Nobody's... I don't think anybody's boundaries are the same, truly, like, in any relationship. I mean, they can be more closely aligned, further, but I think it would look the same as being like, well, this is what I'm cool with. Like, you know, if you're taking, like, two asexual people, like, I'm sex repulsed, I'm not. Okay, like, well then, is there anything here we can do for physical intimacy? Like, I still want to be physically intimate with you. What does that look like? what can I do for you? What can I do for you? Like, I feel like those conversations are still happening, but I would say it would be easier starting, you know, from the same starting place of like, okay, so we both know what ace is, right? Cool. All right, cool. So.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hello, and welcome to the mid-roll break. Sorry that I didn't tee it up in the episode like I normally do. The conversation was just flowing so well that I forgot that that's a thing that we do in the episodes. I sort of didn't come up with a cute pun for this mid-roll break, but just to avoid making any sort of distasteful joke, welcome to the mid-roll break, Tasmania edition. <laughs> I'm coming to you live from the laundry room of the place we're staying in, Tasmania. Speaking of that travel, speaking of being in the Southern Hemisphere, we do have New Zealand shows coming up in December, and the tickets for all of them are live right now. If you go to thenewestolympian.comslash live, you can get tickets for the two New Zealand shows we we're doing, December 3rd in Christchurch and December 17th in Auckland. So you can head on over to the live to get tickets right now. Those shows will be half the newest Olympian, half powderless. The first act will be TNO. The second act will be powderless. Make sure you're following TNO on social media at newest Olympian on Twitter and Instagram. That's where I will post what chapters we are covering for those live shows. And if you don't live in New Zealand, do not worry. The things that we cover in the live shows are being recorded and they will be episodes just like the other live show episodes you've heard on the feed. Now, if you don't live in New Zealand, but you want something cool to check out, why don't you go to theunusalympian.com slash Patreon and check out all the wonderful stuff that we are doing over there. First off, you've got the discord. You've got a community of international listeners that are wonderful humans. And the discord has lots of really fun channels where we talk about the podcast. We talk about the other podcasts that I'm a part of. We talk about podcasts that I am not a part of. We have a channel about food. We have a channel about pets. We have a channel about books. We have a channel about games. There's all sorts of fun things that you can discuss with fun friends. Your internet friends are out there. You just got to find them. And they are on the discord which you get access to at any level of support at the news slash Patreon. And speaking of things that all patrons get access to once I'm back in New York in January, Stephen Parr and I are going to do another Hades the video game stream. And that as always is a straight up all patrons get access to it thing. You also would get access to the replays of it. So if you want to see the first one, you can join the Patreon and then scroll back and you'll find the one that Stephen and I did a couple months ago, but we're going to do one hopefully in January. But speaking of that Patreon, I want to thank the folks who have joined the Patreon most recently. So shout out to our newest super god tier patron, Cass, and shout out to our newest demigod tier patron, Cyan Cicada. May the gods bless you. I guess Artemis would be this one. She feels like the most likely to go on a hike. If you go on a hike, may the gods bless you that your hiking boots always have good footing and you never slip. Now, if you're all caught up in the news, Olympian, but you want new podcasts to listen to. I make a whole bunch of podcasts and I'm very biased, but I think they're very good. And one of the ones that I make that I think is very good is called Horse. It is a basketball show that I co-host with my buddy Adam Amawala. He's a full-time stand-up comedian. And we talk about basketball, but in a way that everyone can understand. We are removing the gatekeeping from basketball podcasts. We only talk about the entertaining elements of the sport. So just things going on in the basketball world that don't necessarily have to do with the sport. We talk about Twitter beefs. We talk about player drama, lots of stuff there. And then we will dive into NBA history, sharing wild stories of silly characters across the NBA, the WNBA, all sorts of basketball. It's a good time. It's a silly time. And you can listen to it wherever you get your podcasts by searching for horse or going to horsehoops.com. And before we wrap up here, you're going to hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me. Others of them won't. The ones that are not read by me are inserted locally. So if you live in Tasmania, don't be surprised if you hear an ad from the Wombat Coalition. I don't know. I've been seeing a bunch of Wombats and they're very cute. Maybe they have an ad for whatever's going on in the world of Wombats. But once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of The Newest Olympian. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. So you had mentioned earlier reading articles about it, and in prep for this episode, I read up on this so I didn't sound like a complete dunce and goofus.
1: Mike's an ace noob, everybody.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's funny, though, because from like the very beginning of me understanding more of this, it started with like, well, I know how prefixes work, so I think I understand (laughs) how this works. (laughs) But... There's an article from Stonewall.org that I'll put a link to in the episode description here. So if anyone wants to check it out, they can. But it's just like a very simple thing they did for A-Row Week, which was the 20th through the 26th of February. I don't know if that'll be the case in 2023, but that's what it was in 2022. And they just had a very quick five-point process of five things you should know about aromantic people and short, sweet to the point... But just to make sure that we're kind of touching on some of the things that they bring up here, the first point that they make is that not all Aero people are asexual. I feel like we've yep. covered that pretty well, knowing that that's not always the one-to-one, but you definitely could be both. Yeah, yes, you could not absolutely. have the romantic sort of desire or the sexual desire, yep. and then it would be purely sort of like lifelong friendship kind of desire.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: And then number two is A-Rogue people can have relationships. We've touched that as well. Here's my favorite. Number three, A-Rogue people aren't cold and heartless.
1: This is such a... Okay, look, this is a thing even for asexual people like, oh, they must be robots. Like, oh, they must like not feel anything then because they don't feel this one thing or they don't feel it in the way that I'm familiar with it. It is such a common thing. So much so that like on the internet where people are typically more versed in this, like I have no problem talking about it, but it's very difficult IRL. Like, yeah. Whether my family knows or not, I haven't like explicitly told them that this is a thing because like, this is usually how the the best case scenario where the conversation gets. Like, first of all, you got to get them to accept the concept of asexuality or, you know, um, like aromanticism, like you got to get there first. And then once you get there, the best case scenario, it's like, okay, so there's just something wrong with your wiring. You must not feel anything. You must just be cold. Like, are you sure you just don't love your husband? You don't love your wife? You don't love your partner? Like, that's often the best case scenario, unfortunately. At least, again, IRL. I think it's better online where people are usually more versed in these topics.
0: Yeah, and I guess the thing that would refute the point of you don't love your partner is predicated on people thinking that love is this one type of thing. And there's only one way to feel love. And it is what we have been conditioned to know is the way to love people exactly. and not realizing that you can have platonic love, you can have different types. There's not just the one way that we're more used to, mm-hmm. big air quotes, for people in real life. Now, another thing they have here, number four, is they say being arrow isn't just a phase. And I think that that is a good thing to discuss and a question that I had because I obviously know that it's not just a phase. But I guess, especially when you were saying that you weren't sure where you it and you're always trying to learn, and you're on your journey, and you're discovering yourself. It's not a phase because it's not like, oh, you're just dabbling. Right. So, I guess talking about it as a discovery period versus a phase, like, what are the ways to? categorize that in a healthy way as opposed to being like nah delhi is just a teenager she doesn't know <laughs> what she's talking about
1: what a silly teenager which is what i thought you know for the longest but uh um, teenager mm-hmm. came and went and guess what was left <laughs> <laughs> but no i think it's an important thing in general in the lgbtqia plus community i think in general there's discussion being had like how do we talk about these things because there are people who do essentially like, hop around na- labels till they find what fits because like you try a label and i would say you try it out casually or like lackadaisically like you try it out because you're like I think this might be me like for me I was like I think I might be demisexual and then I was like nope I'm not I think I might be bi oh nope I'm not like you know you sometimes don't know till you try it on and then you're like mm, no this isn't quite right because sexuality and and attraction in general is so complicated like humans are very complicated beings like it takes a lot of self-discovery and self-work to realize it. And I think there's conversations in the LGBTQIA plus community about, in general, being more patient and accepting that people may not identify with a single label for all of their lives, A, because of that discovery process, but I just feel like we live long lives. Like, this is my personal view of it, is that like, life is long. Like, I am ace now. And as far as I can tell, I've always been ace. Like, since I should have even started feeling a sexual attraction, that never came for me. But like, Life is long. I don't know what's going to happen, like, in 10 years, 20 years. Like, I think of, <laughs> randomly, uh, Stacy London, who, if you ever watched on TLC, the show What Not to Wear, yes. iconic show. So. <laughs> Stacy London was married for a long time, got divorced, and now is married to a woman. And I love that for her. But, like, maybe at the time, she would have never even thought, like, we're more accepting to the idea that, like, oh, people will shed the label of heterosexuality and then come to realize they're, like queer label and own that and now they're finished but maybe they're not finished like the journey is long life is long yes in the like a spec community but also just in general in the lgbtqia community i would like to see people more open and we're getting there to people like it's not that they lied or that there was a it was just a phase if they were like this is a thing right people think it's like a problematic that people are like oh i'm bi but then they're like oh no i'm actually gay or like The reverse, I just think we should be more open to letting people be their full complex selves and knowing that it doesn't diminish the label itself if people are navigating through all of that, you know?
0: Totally, you shouldn't have to put a label explicitly on whatever you view yourself as or make it feel like that label is permanent. If you feel confident enough to label as something, you should be able to change your mind and change how you feel. I know of this scuttlebutt because I am on Twitter, but not enough because I didn't watch the show. But I want to say it was one of the actors in like a Netflix show. Uh, like, hearts kind of had to get stopper
1: heart, start heart, heart yeah. stopper. Yeah,
0: right. Yeah, he got like not I don't know outed, but basically he had to come mm-hmm. out and be like, "I'm bi," and now they're making me say I don't know what led to all of this, but I think it kind of just gets more to the point of like. You shouldn't have to come out and be like, I'm this, because, yeah, what if a couple of years later you realize, actually, I don't think I was exactly right when I thought that. I think I'm more this. And then people might be outraged like, wait, but you said you're this.
1: And like, I get why we got here. Like I get the importance of people claiming a label and being open and like normalizing things. But I do think it's overcorrected to the point where like you said, like we're forcing people to come out and identify with labels maybe before they're ready or maybe they just aren't ready to it publicly. Because honestly, it's so personal. That's the other thing, sure. sexuality is so personal. Like I'm on here talking about it. But like I said, IRL, I do not talk about it nearly as much or as openly. And like there are people who wouldn't be comfortable even doing what I'm doing now. And that's totally fine. Like, you don't have to, your your sexuality and your identity is your business. Like, it doesn't have to be anybody's business unless you want it to.
0: Yeah. And that is definitely why before I sent you the DM, I was like, let me see if Delia's ever tweeted about (laughs) her asexuality before. And I definitely did search at <laughs> Delia is typing ace. And there were a couple tweets of tweets. Then the video, I was like, hello, if you would like to talk about the podcast, please, you can do so. If not, no worries at all.
1: That is so funny because I was like, oh, I must have tweeted about it. Like, since I've known Mike, like, I... Because I do talk about it like online. And I'm like, oh, he must have seen it. Because I'm like, did I ever tell him personally? I probably did, but I just didn't remember.
0: <laughs> it came up in the episode of Pottery we did about representation. Ah,
1: okay, yes. And yes, yes.
0: at some point, just briefly, it came up and then I remembered that. Yeah,
1: okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Though no, it's cool. I appreciate you uh, doing a little quick uh, Twitter search, Twitter stock. It's fine. <laughs> Like, no, it's totally cool to be like, super sure. But also with you, obviously, no issue. But in general, for listeners, like, if you do find yourself in that situation, like, I think it's fine to ask, like, but also, like, don't make it weird if people are like, no, I don't want to talk about that, which Mike would never. But just if you're a listener at home, don't make it weird. Don't be weird.
0: (laughs) That's the biggest thing with all of these sorts of conversations, just like, try to think about it. And before you say something, try to say the least weird version of the question, (laughs) and you can always preface things with, I am so sorry if this sounds weird.
1: (laughs) Right, exactly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But still try to not say the weird thing. But something you said earlier with the phase and figuring it out, it's funny that people act like this isn't a thing in straight relationships because even though there aren't all these particular labels, like I definitely went through a discovery period in college where I dated a girl for like three straight years and then we broke up before my senior year and I was like, all right, I've had enough of the like single committed thing. Let me go into a bad boy phase where I'm trying to just like <laughs> hook up a bunch of people. I lasted two months. I was like, I can't do this. It'd be so oh. wild well
1: to see Mike's bad boy phase. I would like to see it.
0: <laughs> Looking back now, it's so funny. I would even like listen to particular songs. Like uh, what's the, there's like a Black Keys song. Not uh, what's the, there's, hold on i this like I'm let's put let's put College Mike Schubert on blast
1: people cannot see me but I am like almost cry laughing because this <laughs> is so funny to me no offense I'm sure I'm sure College Mike had game but it's just so antithetical to how I view you now <laughs>
0: <laughs> look he had some game but he realized his game is not in the area of like let me try to like right, you know right. be a player type because I just got like way too I would just get way too caught up in oh no we kissed. what does this mean <laughs> <laughs> I, I oh not for me. You know, but it was important for me to find that out. It was right. me being on my journey. I think Sinister Kid was the song I used to listen to by the Black Keys. Uh, but it was like the ones that were like <laughs> like the ones that sounded like like hard Rocky rocky. like, yeah.
1: Yeah, this is me now. This is my new identity.
0: This is who I am. Uh yeah, I didn't last very long. Yeah,
1: that's fair. But I think it's so true though. Like it's a good point to point out that like even within people who identify as heterosexual and like stick to that identity there's still exploration there right like mm-hmm. we all explore sexuality to some degree even if you're like oh I'm definitely straight definitely not great like how did you come to that realization like again I just think because of like cis s- heteronormative society that we don't re- even realize we're doing that exploration right mm-hmm. but it's totally normal to do and I welcome people to do it it's good to do the work intentionally I think it's good for people
0: <laughs> yes for sure explore find out and don't feel like you got to be hung up on one particular thing, especially if that is what society is telling you. That is definitely, like, not the approach I would take. be open-minded. You you do do you. you. Whatever feels right.
1: Like, just, you know, (laughs) it's fine.
0: (laughs) So to close things out, because we did talk about this a little bit, is there any sort of do's slash don'ts of just general, like, hey, these are the questions we get all the time. Don't do this. Or these are the terms we don't want to hear. I guess just, like, general key life strategies of if you know someone who's ace or aro in your life and, you know, they don't want to hear this or this is a trope, this is a stereotype, any sort of learning moments like that that people can take away.
1: So many. I will definitely miss them. So please, fellow a folks, like please, in the comments, tweets, whatever, please shout them out because there's plenty. One, outside of a conversation like this where we're specifically talking about our sexuality and obviously. Don't ask people about their sex life. That's weird to do regardless, but it happens so much when people find out you're ace. They're like, okay, so please tell me all the details about your sex life because that makes no sense to me. That's not people's business. Don't ask that. As a rule of thumb, don't ask that, but especially of people who are ace or romantic,
0: don't ask. Yeah. Just think like if someone asked me the version of the question that applied to me, would I feel comfortable talking about it? And then if the answer to that is no, don't don't ask.
1: ask. (laughs) It's very, it's pretty simple, but you would be so surprised. I would also say, like, don't jump to any conclusions about the relationship that the person may or may not have in general. That is something that I personally have a lot of difficulty navigating. In a cis-heteronormative society, like, when I do tell people IRL, like, oh, I'm ace, usually they then make assumptions like, oh, well, her partner must be, oh, well, her boyfriend, her girlfriend. Like, these Mm -hmm. are the assumptions people make. Like, don't do that. We already touched on it, but, like, aromantic people, but also, like, asexual people, like, they are not robots. They're not cold. They're not distant. There's nothing wrong with them. That whole gambit of things. Don't assume that. Don't tell people that. And another thing is... Do not tell people, I would love to think that your listeners weren't, but it wouldn't. But maybe you can also pass this information on to people who who you know. Don't tell people like, oh, you don't look like you'd be ace or aromantic. Like, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, really? Why? You're so pretty. Oh, you're so handsome. You're so whatever. Like, please, 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 please don't do that one. That one's actually the worst. The second worst one next to the just asking detailed, unprompted questions about people's sex life. Like, don't do that. There's no one way that people look or act or dress like. It's not a thing.
0: Yeah. I can also see how misguided folks would think that that's weirdly a compliment to be like, you're hot. Why don't you want to bang? Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) Like, I get where it's coming from, but I'm like, oh my gosh, please do not say that. Like, it's such a problem because, again, it also feeds into this idea that, oh, maybe you've gone to the place where you've accepted, like, oh, these people exist, but there's something wrong with them. They probably aren't attractive and that's why they landed on this or like, oh, there's something wrong with them internally. Like, Mm, yeah, it's super gross. gross. There's nothing wrong with them. We're all just normal, regular, regular people who just happen to not experience these forms of attraction. That's it. It's as simple as that.
0: And I guess that could even get into people not thinking that you would want to do things like dress nicely or do your hair and makeup or work out or any sort of thing that would be associated with wanting to look pretty because of it potentially leading to the other stuff.
1: 100% like I've had people in my life, I won't call them out, who I would say are very progressive, but who are like, I told them I was ace. Gertrude. And they're like, no, you're not. And then among the things that they list why I'm not were, but you like go out and you, uh, this was a while ago, but like you go out and you like dress up and stuff. Like I've seen you flirt with people before. I'm like, that's, um, firstly, did you see me flirt with people? It wasn't on purpose. it probably, I've got to be honest, but even (laughs) if you did, that does not mean that I'm not ace. Hello.
0: Yeah. It's wild that people can't understand that sometimes Doing things is just fun. And you don't have to have like a particular reason like, oh Mike, why'd you do your hair? It's like, I don't know, it's I like going out and looking good sometimes, but also other times, like right now, don't want to take the time to do it. So I just throw on an NBA headband and I'm ready to go. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Or all the time, like you know, folks who like are feminine presenting, like if you wear a dress like, Oh, what's the occasion? Why are you wearing a dress? It's like, I don't know. I just Want to wear a dress? I don't. Yes. Have a reason.
0: Yes. Yes. Me and my buddy Patrick in college, we used to wear ties on Fridays just to give us an excuse to like wear nice things. We'd be like, look, Fridays are fancy Fridays. (laughs) We're wearing ties on Fridays. We did it for like a year and it was fun. And people would always be like, oh, what's the occasion? Be like,
1: I Where just is wanted I? to
0: play dress up because I'm in college and I've been wearing jeans, a t-shirt, and a zip-up hoodie every day for the past year.
1: Look, shout out to you for even getting dressed and putting on jeans. Like, look at that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, well, yeah, not not to brag too much. But yeah, like, I don't know. You can just do... I, it, there doesn't always have to be, like, a reason. So, yes, the fact that people would, would say that, I could totally see that happening, and I'm sorry that that has happened, but... Thank you for sharing that and all the other things for people to avoid. As you said earlier, I don't think this is an issue for 99% of my listeners, but yes, you can pass that along to people who might not understand those sorts of things. Absolutely. Uh, Deli, well, this has been so fantastic. This has been very helpful for me, hopefully very helpful for folks listening, and hopefully very screaming yes at my speakers for anyone out there who is on the spectrum. If people want to find you doing stuff, in any other creative field, walk of life, anything like that. If people want to find you, where can they find you?
1: I do so much. I do podcasts. (laughs) I do like other work. Easiest place to find me is you can find me on Twitter at, well, at least for now. At least for now. Recording
0: this on November 18th. (laughs) At least as we record this, Twitter exists.
1: Exactly. You can find me there at Delia is typing. Um, if that goes away, I may pick up Tumblr at com. <gasps> Whoa,
0: the throwback.
1: Right. You know, that might be where I land. I have no idea. But also, you can find me at blacknerdcreate.com. That has pretty much everything that I do. You can find it all there, whether you're interested in podcasts about uh, personality typing, Lords of the Rings. Um, we should be having one about Naruto coming out. Cool. Go over there, check it all out. That's where I be. <laughs>
0: Amazing. Man, Tumblr. I had a good time in the mid 2010s there. And I recently deleted my account. I downloaded the full archive and deleted everything because I was like, I don't know what I reblogged in 2014. I don't want to get- <laughs>
1: It's best. I went through mine. <laughs>
0: yeah. If I've deleted my account, does that mean the username is gone forever? Or in a world where I need to resort to Tumblr, can I get it back? I'm not going to say what it is because it was hyper specific, but I really liked it. Or has it just gone to the ether?
1: I did not delete mine, so I'm not sure. But mm-hmm. I assume you could get it back unless somebody has taken whatever that it might be. <laughs>
0: if someone took it, I will fly to wherever they are because it is the most specific name that I would be (laughs) so shocked. So, so, so shocked.
1: Well, then, yeah, I imagine you can get it back. (laughs)
0: Let's hope that... Twitter survives and Fingers we cross. bully Elon Musk enough into just giving it away to somebody else and taking a huge loss.
1: I spend too much time, but that's where I spend <laughs> a lot of it. So I hope it sticks around.
0: Yeah. But anyway, Delia, thank you so much for joining. This has been lovely listeners. Thank you for listening. And until next time, as we begin our coverage of the fourth book in the series, Percy Jackson and the Battle of the Labyrinth. Until then, I'll see you later. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Newest Olympian. This podcast is created, hosted, and produced by me, Mike Schubert. I also run the social media and the website. Normally, our editor is Sherry Guo, but I edited this one. The music is by Bettina Campomanes and Brandon Grugel, and the art is by Jessica E. Boyd. If you want to get involved in the community around the show, you can do so on social media. We are at Newest Olympian on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Facebook also has the spoiler group and the spoiler-free group. We also are at reddit.com slash r slash The Newest Olympian. If you want to take it to the next level, you can get in on the TNO Discord by joining our Patreon by going to the slash Patreon. Speaking of that Patreon, that's where bonus content lives. If you're looking for more TNO content, bonus episodes, directors' commentary, monthly live streams, those all live there. And speaking of that Patreon, I want to give a huge shout out to our producer-level patrons, Lotta Bartova, Kelsey Gillespie, The Damn Steam Nuggets, Emma Cooey, Vicky Garcia, Ellie Haskov Veronica Bartova, Haley Hastings, Robin Garcia, Frida Vikstrom, Megan Moon, Tuff Bayfong, Olivia Y, Craig McRoberts, Taylor Payne, Giselle Salvador, Peter Johnson, the twin, Sabrina Balsiger, Bony Pony, Heather McMillan, Casey Williams, Polly Burge, Nikki Harris, Tatiana Schmidt, Sandra Rose, Bridget Lowry, Josh Sayer, Josh Wilkie, Abby Ryan, Wise Girl, Ashton Gabrielson, Marco Redhouse, Falcon Joey James, Christopher William Boucher, Lux, Caden Mack, Sam Sam Ruby, Carly Allen, Riley Kiedes, Mary Kelly, Audra, McKenzie, Mrs. O'Leary, Aaron Wood, Rodith Kalna, Milo Kim, Fred Cabras, Harlan Crist, CC reeds 23, San Kopf, Julia Kendall, Emil Oscar Thomason, Noah Bungard, Liz Cardigan, Schatzabobs, Michelle Spurgeon, Zachary Hamilton, Ginger Spursboy, Rachel Bernatowicz, Sarah Neal, Ricky, and Francesca Pacheco, If you want to help out the show in a non-monetary way, spreading it via word of mouth is essential to the podcast's growth. If you think of someone that would like the show, you could reach out to them directly and say, hey, there's this podcast. You love Percy Jackson. Listen to it. Or you've been looking for an excuse to read the Percy Jackson books. Here's a digital book club. Or you could post about the show on social media or leave it a rating and review on whatever podcasting app you're using. All of these things really do help. And I appreciate all of you who have done it in the past or will do it in the future. But I'm just so thankful that you listened to this episode and who could tune into our next episode, which will be the first chapter of Percy. Jackson in *The Battle of the Labyrinth*, guest starring my wife Kelly Schubert. But until then, I'll see you later. Hey, everyone, how's it going? It's me, ASMR Max. So recently, I was in Melbourne, Australia, and while I was there, we went to the National Gallery of Victoria. It's really nice art museum, and outside the front door, they have this waterfall-type exhibit, and it's really nice. And I put my phone near it because it kind of sounded a little babbling brooky. So here is the audio from that.